Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle. Me, your host, Joshua Smith. Welcome to Friday, folks. We made it. It's the weekend officially. Crack those whiskeys open. Enjoy yourself. You earned it. Uh, guys, we've got another awesome show for you tonight. I'm super stoked. It's just like one show after another. Just awesome shows every night. It's always got me stoked. Like, I get done with the 12-hour day, and I come home to do a show, and I'm not even, like, I'm tired, and then I get home, and I'm just so stoked again. I don't even need to go to sleep right away. Right away, at least. Uh, let's start off with some sponsors. Of course, we have TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get this awesome Ron Paul. It didn't have to be this way hoodie that I'm wearing today for 10% discount by using BTC at checkout, or you can join the Patreon, subscribe star, or become a member of the YouTube channel right here underneath any of the videos and get into a private Discord server with some based people uh, and get like 30% discount on all of his new stuff up to two weeks before it goes to the general public. It really pays for itself if you guys uh, get one of the small memberships, like five, you know, five bucks a month or whatever. And of course, executive producer of the show, AnthemPlanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically been horrible at, uh, much cheaper and much more efficiently. Guys, uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it was a couple weeks ago now, I was uh, I was posted online. I wanted to have a conversation with somebody about monarchism because I made, a, I made some comments. You know, uh, in the past, I had made some comments uh, about how I thought maybe, you know, democracy was horrible idea uh you know we were one of the first countries to adopt it and it's just it's 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 failing terribly um and so i reached out to a bunch of people trying to uh have this conversation about uh uh, monarchy because i was i was kind of thinking maybe it'd be better to have a benevolent monarch than uh you know the democrats ruling my life every day um and uh i came across this gentleman who i i know from twitter a lot of people uh were telling me to have him on and i'm very excited to do so he is the founder of hoppy and dot he is jared sir how you doing tonight doing great josh thanks for having me on yeah absolutely man i appreciate you coming on uh i see that you uh you went with the get up tonight what's that all about so uh as if you read our site at all on the about page uh you'll know a lot of us have been uh targeted uh, and as such, you know, it's, uh, it's a good idea for me to keep my identity, um, my, at least my public identity secret. So this is what I chose. I thought it was very topical, right? With the whole Afghanistan thing. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Oh, did I just throw you? I threw you out of the stream, dude. I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I, uh, I physically removed you, bro. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well let's that's talk right. that's your right man yeah it is it is this is my covenant community but let's that's talk right. let's talk about uh let's talk about your journey man to to uh hoppy and anarchy man how, how did you get there where did you come from wow okay so uh 2003 i was uh probably most accurately described as a neocon uh what a terrible terrible thing to be described as uh now my biggest enemy that uh i could ever imagine having are neocons but after that i discovered some libertarianism i uh unfortunately read anarchy state and utopia Uh, i thought at the time that that was a good book that led me to rothbard and i read a little bit of rothbard not much i had read um uh what else did I read it around that time? I'd read some Bastiat and some Thomas Sowell and stuff like that. And then as the years went on, I read a little more here and there, discovered more, discovered more, discovered paleo libertarianism before even Ron Paul was on the scene. Thought that was, that sounded great. And I really, at that point started really hating neocons. And I, and I 
had discovered a book by uh, Justin Raimondo, Reclaiming the American Right. Uh, if you haven't read that book, if anybody hasn't read that book, read that book. It explains so much. Um, and then Ron Paul came on the scene, 2008. And of course, you know, I was all in. And then he had lost, uh, at that time, uh, the whole uh, libertarian movement pretty much uh, was just really getting started again. Uh, then, of course, you know, as we all know, uh, Ron Paul lost the 2008. Uh, 2012 rolls around. He's back on the scene. Uh, at that time, a lot of the online libertarian community got really big. Um, that's when I really started to get more involved, pay more attention, go back to reading. Uh, after 2012 and all of that, uh, we saw, at least to me, what I would describe as a kind of a functional collapse, uh, or at least a miniature collapse of the liberty movement at that time. And uh, Josh, are you familiar with uh, the Daily Poll? The what? The Daily Poll. Is that is that the is that the newsletters? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, 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 so back in the day, I will defend those newsletters. Of course, yeah, I'm, yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> So, yeah. So anyway, around that time online, it was one of the large Ron Paul forums and the Daily Paul were the two biggest online places together to talk about the Ron Paul campaign, libertarianism and everything else. It was the place. Um, after that, there were some definitely some conflicts after 2012, uh, especially after Ron Paul leaving. And uh, there were, um, I guess you could say, issues or conflicts inside of the libertarian movement, especially on the Daily Paul. There was definitely a difference of opinion and how uh, things should be discussed and so on and so forth. And there were definitely hardcore differences between people. And that revolves, or revolves around left and right. Uh, there were a lot of left libertarians and a lot of uh, Democrats and people from the left that uh, the libertarians were trying to pull into the Ron Paul movement. There was a big push at that time uh, to pull in these people. And then there were also classic right libertarians. Uh, and, and there was a big conflict there. Uh, needless to say that that website collapsed. I don't even know if the archive is still up anymore. The The owner of the website decided I'm just going to shut this down because I can't resolve these issues in any way. So we're just going to shut it down and we'll archive the site. But now I think if you go to dailypoll.com, I don't even think the archives up anymore. So that, that whole thing happened. And then, um, 20, uh, 2013, uh, 2014, I just, I threw myself into learning as much as I could. I, I didn't have all the answers that I thought I would have. There's a lot of, you know, everybody gets a little arrogant and I was definitely arrogant at that time, but I didn't have all the answers. Right. Um, I could pick a neocon, uh, you know, squarely in the teeth with a bunch of rhetoric very easily, but couldn't explain a lot of things. So really, really delved myself into reading. I got more and more and more involved in the reading. I read man economy and state. I read a bunch of other Rothbard books and I discovered a lot of, uh, Hoppe. So, I read uh, Democracy, the God that Failed, and I really believe that, that that changed my entire perspective. Even my concept of libertarianism completely changed, and I think that that really, that really put me where I was. Um, 2015, 2016, uh, online at least, um, there was definitely a huge presence of what I would call Lulberts. Uh, the uh, the left libertarian, progressive libertarian, or whatever you want to call them, um, the regime the, libertarians. Yeah, too. yeah, those yeah. those people too. I do make a distinction between 
uh, regime libertarians, Cato and, uh, you know, fee and all the kind of those people, libertarianism.org, you know, I roll my eyes whenever I say libertarianism.org, what a joke. Um, but I think that, uh, I, th I think ultimately that uh, that really caused me to reevaluate what I was doing, because if, if I understood these ideas as well as I do after doing all that reading, how on earth could I sit there and just let this kind of Wolbertism, this um, this unwell read kind of leftism takeover of the libertarian moment happen and not push back against it at all? So. Uh, there was a previous attempt at starting hopping.org on a different brand, uh, which is basically a pushback. And then finally, after years of dealing with this in uh, 2020, we said, I got together with some friends and some good people, and uh, we decided to start hopping.org. And that's what we are. We're a response to that uh, kind of leftist libertarianism that uh, I, I don't think really has a place in our movement. I think it's a, it's a, uh, it's a mutation of what real libertarianism is, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so it's funny. We, we're obviously, you know, when it comes to principle and, and you know, the philosophy, we're probably almost dead, dead, like same. You know what I mean? But I obviously work with the Libertarian Party. I sit on the Libertarian National Committee. And it's, you know, inside the party uh, for years because Murray's one of the founders of the party, right? Murray Rothbard. And, uh, you know, he walked away when the Cato, when the Cato split happened, the, you know, became Mises, stuff like that. Um, and now there's this kind of resurgence of the Mises libertarians trying to take back over the libertarian party, which I think is beautiful. Uh, but th these regime libertarians and the Lulberts like have basically owned the party full, full sale with no one, you know, uh, uh opposing them for more than, you know, two decades, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they not only own the, the party, they owned the conversation. Um, and that's the most dangerous thing to me for that, for that long of a time, they, they really owned the entire conversation. There was no pushback. If you, if you push back at all against the kind of the left-wing narratives or any of the left-wing positions that they had, you were immediately a racist or a, a Nazi or a fascist or what have you, whatever the, the, uh, the, uh, popular term for, for dismissing any kind of right-wing behavior uh, was at the time. They, that's what they did. They, they, they would uh, smear you. Uh, Rothbard used to call them the smear bond, right? Like that's what these people do. They just smear you. And, and I don't know if you want to get into this right now or not, but I, I do enjoy the story of Rothbard leaving the libertarian party the first time. Yeah. Let's talk about it a little bit, man. Uh, you know, I, I know a little bit about it. Obviously um, I'm good friends with Karen Ann Harlos, who is basically the, the party historian at this point. She runs the entire history facet of the Libertarian Party. So we've talked about it a little bit. Um, but uh, what, I mean, what, what's your take on it? What, what do you know about it? So uh, I can't remember the article right now. I can probably give it to you later. But there was an article that uh, Murray Rothbard wrote uh, about five years after he left the Libertarian Party. Um, he had said at the time, that, uh, you know, I, I can't be a part of the Libertarian Party anymore because it's, uh, it's infiltrated by egalitarians. And uh, the two gentlemen that he had approached, Murray didn't name the gentleman that he had approached at the time, uh, calling them egalitarians, calling everybody in the party egalitarians. Um, but he basically approached them and said, you know, the, the party's full of egalitarians, I'm leaving. This isn't the place for me anymore. The two gentlemen in question pushed back against Murray and said, egalitarians, 
that's crazy. There are no egalitarians in the Libertarian Party. Today, that's that would seem insane. Everyone's an egalitarian. Not, no offense to you or, or the Mises sure. Caucus, but at, at the regime libertarians or the regime Libertarian Party at the time are not too long ago was definitely they were all egalitarians. So uh, needless to say, Rothbard leaves. And then after that, uh, not long after, these two gentlemen both write uh, articles uh, that promoted egalitarianism. And Shocking. those articles, the, yeah, the, <laughs> right, exactly. Those, those, the, the, the test that Murray applied was the Dr. King test. Murray was not a fan of Martin Luther King. Sure. Uh, he was uh, definitely not a big fan. He called him a communist and a course of integrationists. And there's plenty of evidence to prove that that is, in fact, the case. And these guys immediately came out and said, you know, it, much to Murray's chagrin, that, you know, Martin Luther King was a great libertarian. Well, on what planet does a guy that associates with the Communist Party and promotes Communist Party lines and promotes coercive integration and egalitarianism a libertarian. So Murray was said, you know, I, I, that was a decision that he uh, said he never regretted really uh, once he saw that happen. So th that's my understanding of the, of the history of that. I don't know if Murray ever flirted with the idea of coming back to the Libertarian Party. I think that he was, uh, I think he was very, uh, I think he was very hurt about yeah. the Libertarian Party and. Uh, his endeavor to cooperate with the left before that, which was the SDS and YAF right. fiasco, if you know anything about that. I that do, was, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I, I know I know about his time flirting with the left for sure, and obviously his, his uh, you know, later later in life really going after the right and the populist message and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, it, yeah, man, I, I mean, that's pretty much what I, I know about it as well. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I don't think Murray ever tried to return to the party. Uh, he did. He did many times over the next several years come and speak at libertarian like conventions and get-togethers yeah. and stuff like that. For I mean, the rest of his life, basically. And he did always call the LP the 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 political arm of the liberty movement. But I know that he was very unhappy with the way it went. I know that there was times when he was, you know, kind of on the outside of people trying to come back and and change things in the party. Um, and now we have the Mises takeover of the party where we've already secured at a minimum of 26 state boards. Yeah. And uh, congratulations to, to you guys about that. It's it, like, really, you surprised me. And that's, that's hard to do with the, as much as I've seen politic politically uh, go on in my life. And as much as I know about politics, that's not an easy task. And, um, you know, regardless of my position on that, you know, that, that's something to be, uh, that's something to be congratulated. Well, for. and that, here, here was the, the thing that stuck with me the most. So like, so like, uh, rewind four years, five years ago when the, the, the Mises caucus was an idea and 50 people in a Facebook group. Okay. Four years ago. Um, you know, I was running for chairman of the party and I went on Tom Wood's show and Tom said something that stuck with me literally forever. It'll, it'll never leave me. He said, look, you know, it, when people hear, think about the word libertarian in, in the United States, they don't think about the Mises Institute right away. They don't, you know, there are, I mean, there's thousands that do, but the normies, they don't, they don't think about the Mises yeah. Institute. They don't think about Hoppe and Rothbard and Mises. And, and, uh, and so if we're going to have a, they, they think about the libertarian party. And so if we're going to have a libertarian party in the country, it should be run by people who, you know, exude libertarian principles at the very least, Absolutely. you know, because it can be used for at, at a minimum, uh, educational outlet. And that's what I look at it as, you know, if we're going to, you know, and that's what the Mises 
caucus wants. You know, we're going to want to help. We want to help fund local candidates because we can make a big difference in the community. And we want the the national party to really be an educational outlet. We want to run a presidential candidate that's going to make a 50, uh, 50 state media tour talking about unabashed, like, uh, you know, unforgiving libertarianism to, to normies on, you know, made mainstream media. So that's, you know, that's really what they're about. And so when I heard that message, I was like, this is this works for me. This is this is in line with my principles. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so so we talked a little bit about this before. Let me first of all, let me uh, let me address some of these super chats. Marshall Ford, thanks for the five dollars super chat. He said he just wants to wish a very happy birthday to the goat himself. Happy 86th birthday to Dr. Paul. Yes, sir. Everybody. Absolutely. Everybody say happy birthday to Ron Paul right now in the chat. Say happy birthday to Ron Paul Anybody in the chat. Anybody that doesn't say it has to fight me. Yeah, yeah. Fight us both. You got to fight us both. Yeah, uh, that's Nick, right. Nick Ashley dropped $2. He said he just said feet. You're not seeing my feet, Nick. <laughs> it's always Nick Ashley. Base King Nick, man. He's like the he's like the fifth most watched episode I've ever had on the show, if you can believe I it. I love Nick. Yeah, Nick he's, great. Is a, he's a great dude. Yeah. Uh, shenanigans with Sam, $3 super chat. How big of a super chat to plug my ex- extreme book? Well... That's an extreme book, buddy. I don't know. We'll have to talk about it. Um, but anyway, so we were talking a little bit about, about this before the show started. Um, I So I'm a big Rothbard guy. I mean, I got like five Rothbard books behind me somewhere, and I, I've been reading Rothbard for years. It's really what what opened the window that I could never shut again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like before he has, a, he has the ability to do that, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, it was like before that I had Ron Paul. Okay. I found Ron mm-hmm. Paul in like 2007. I worked on Ron Paul's campaign in 2008 and this was, I was a neocon oh, too. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was a neocon too. I went, you know, I went off right after nine 11 and went to war. And um, mm-hmm. when I got back, I was so jaded on the military industrial complex. And I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going to be a part of the uh, uh, Bush Cheney GOP. Yeah. <laughs> anymore you know what i mean what a what a awful thing yeah, just horrible you know and and yeah. uh and so then i found ron paul in 2007 and he just really spoke i mean everything he was saying i, I couldn't find anything wrong with it so i joined his campaign in 2008 in fucking california if you can believe that uh right wow. outside of oakland uh i was at you know and then in 2012 i'm walking around the occupy movement trying to trying to shill for ron paul uh, <laughs> uh which is oh, not an easy it's not an easy feat let me tell man, you you've been in the trenches i'll tell you yeah absolutely dude and so uh and so i worked on ron paul's campaign i found murray rothbard sometime after actually i found uh first i found milton friedman i started reading like uh capitalism and free freedom and um then i found f.a hayek which is kind of a natural mm-hmm. progression and then uh, you Absolutely. know Rothbard, and then eventually Mises, and somebody that I never really got into was Hoppe, right? Like, and I and um, last year, I, or maybe yeah, I don't know if it was last year. It was more than a year ago. I went on Faker Tarian's podcast, and uh, I, I pissed some people off because they started asking me questions about Hoppe, and I was like, "Yo, I I don't I haven't read enough Hoppe to make a, like a informed decision on what you guys are talking about." You know what I mean? And uh, you know, there was a couple of my friends were like, "You threw Hoppe under the bus," and. Uh, so I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go read Hoppe. And I started reading democracy and man, it was, it was great shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know oh, what right. I mean? Like yeah. it, it was good, dude. Like, and, uh, mm-hmm. and so now I've defended Hoppe on a bunch of stuff and, and, uh, you know, those, those people that were going to hate me anyways, hate me, which I don't give a shit about, but I do need to, you know, kind of, kind of apologize if people thought I was trying to throw Hoppe under the bus. That was never, ever my intention. I just, uh, was not 
well well enough read at the time and, and look if anybody has a problem with josh over that i i would much rather somebody say hey i don't i'm not well read enough to defend the man maybe maybe let's come back and do this later than someone provide a bad defense and someone provide an easy opening for someone to crush that argument that's a terrible way to go to uh to deal with something like that yeah absolutely uh first of all Bert Grimm, Bert Grimm's like hoppa sucks dude read ba- black mutualist tweets first of all that's <laughs> that's chakra Khan. you better get it right uh <laughs> Uh, no, I just, I just didn't know a lot about him, but he, he is really good. So let's, let's talk about your, you know, your understanding of hop. What was it about hop that, 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 uh, really brought you in and, and wanted to, and made you want to like start hopping.org and all that stuff. So, yeah. So uh, Hoppe to me, you know, obviously it's the, the, uh, the protege of Murray Rothbard and, and very much the, uh, the, uh, continuation in my mind of, of Rothbard was, what Rothbard never really got to finish. Uh, what once Rothbard got into, you know, uh, the, the late eighties and the nineties, uh, you know, that was pretty much the, the, the end. Right. So, uh, at that point, who was, who would be better to take it on than the man that Rothbard praised as, as brilliant multiple, multiple times and saying that he proved him wrong on several things on the natural rights theory with argumentation ethics. Um, I, I, at that point, you know, there, there's, if you get if you get into democracy and you read democracy, if you read a short history of man, short history of man, in my opinion, is so underrated. Um, to to fundamentally be able to describe how humanity pulled itself out of darkness, how the division of labor is one of the most beautiful things to ever exist, how separation and the division of labor keeps us free, keeps us keep, keeps us in peace. Uh, allows us to trade and produce and own property. What a what a brilliant uh, what a brilliant little book. Um, I, I really enjoyed that book. And democracy, of course, you know, c- crushing the. Uh, to me, you know, like I, back in the day, I'm, I was like a you know I may have been a neocon, but I was also like a hardcore kind of patriot, anti-federalist too, right? Sure. Like. I, I, I loved all that stuff. Loved reading about the founding fathers. And, you know, I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm definitely a, a Republican in the sense of Republicanism, right? Like, that, you know, I love the Constitution. I, I, you know, I love this. I love the Declaration of Independence. I, I love all of this stuff. And then you read democracy. And if you're honest, um, you, it's a revelation. It's like reading Anatomy of the State for the first time or watching Ron Paul give a speech. To me, it's it's the third revelation you can have as a libertarian is to read democracy, the God that failed. It's going to change you. Uh, if it doesn't change you in some way, then I, I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, it's, uh, to me, it's one of the most brilliant books ever written. Um, the idea that, uh, this beauty, this, uh, holy, um, temple that the, that the state has created through democracy is now totally destroyed uh, via Hapa and totally suppressed, and and your your uh, your perspective on how and why democracy is not only not good, but in ways that it's totally evil, um, does something to people that you 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 just you can't go back, you know? Sure. Yeah, absolutely, and I agree with you. Uh, you know, it. So I used to be a democracy guy too, obviously, and I, I was for for a long time. You know, the Constitution, the Constitution. It was really Spooner that took me out of that, 
I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, once I read Spooner, I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. no treason. Yeah. No, read no treason. I was yeah. like, okay, oh, well, this is, this is all bullshit. I've been living a lie all these years. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hoppe definitely takes it to like a whole nother level. And, no. um, yeah. but, but, uh, let's, so, so let's talk a little bit about monarchy and, and, um, sure. you know, versus democracy. And, and, you know, I, I made, I made this comment on, on Twitter. I said, you know, I, I, I believe that it's almost probably better to have like a benevolent, monarchists than it is to have a democracy because we're dealing with we're watching what democracy devolves into Mm -hmm. in real time in the worst fucking possible way uh over especially over the last year you know we have these people telling us you're gonna put this thing in your body or you're not gonna be able to go to the fucking grocery store and get groceries for your children that's what democracy does you know what i mean absolutely and so i mean what what's what's your take on on uh on monarchy and why do you think you know it would probably be a better idea than democracy so if, if someone's honest with themselves i mean the the first question you should ask is are we freer today or are we freer under king george if you if you answer today then you're a fool if you answer king george then you've got some tough questions to ask yourself right, right? so at, at that point it's like uh okay so if you look at monarchy right you got one guy the one guy's held uh in absolute um uh, I, I guess an absolute responsibility, right? Whereas under democracy, you get this false notion that you have participation and then you have uh, a say. And in some ways you do, but the only thing you have a say over is how much you can rob your neighbor for. Um, and that's really, that's really the difference to me. It's really the only difference uh, is that, uh, you know, under the king, yes, the king may be brutal and tyrannical and evil, um, but you have someone to hold responsible. This this nation or this uh, this notion that the the, the state it doesn't really even exist. That's the greatest trick democracy ever pulled was was to to prove that or to show or to to put forward that uh, the state doesn't really exist and that you're the state. You're not the state. The state is the state, and the state is evil. And this is what uh, the, this is what this is the illusion that today, still today, a majority of Americans totally believe they believe in freedom and, and democracy. And uh, really, those two things are totally antithetical. And it's it's kind of sad. Uh, you know, I wish I could airdrop uh, copies of Democracy: The God That Failed all over the country. It might help. Yeah, it might. But you know, these these fucking losers don't read anymore, man. <laughs> no, no. Well, and and this is this is really goes to some of the things that Hoppe talks about is that um, you know time preference. Look, look at look at the rise of uh, you know short uh, tidbits of news, right? The uh, the shock value that some of these uh, clips get, right? Like that that that's the way that news devolved, right? They devolved from just talking about things and having discussions and people on to sound bites, right? That's what the news devolved into. And then social media can be shown as the same way. Um, if you look back at say MySpace, right? MySpace let you write long diatribes of posts. Then Facebook was shorter and smaller. And then from there you had Twitter, which way limited people's ability to talk. And now we have short five 20 second clips on TikTok, right? The, the the time preference thing here it shows that itself to be true and that really uh, democracy has pushed us towards this 
Um, the the need for instant short uh, communication and gratification is just obvious to me. Are you saying that we need to uh, return to tradition and return to MySpace? Is that what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. Every <laughs> website, every website on the internet should be MySpace, dude. I, I I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, do you know how fucking base MySpace was at the time? It was so know, it was man. so cool. Did we all learn how to yeah. become fucking computer programmers yeah, from, from yeah, our mom's every, basement? <laughs> everybody and their brother posting HTML and script kitty stuff into their posts. And so it was amazing. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, Marshall Ford, thanks for the five dollars super chat, man. He said, uh, "Why do you think Hoppa is more popular today than he's ever been? Do you think it's because of his based internet memes?" or his books? Um, I, I think it's a combination of both. I think that uh, the marketing that memes can do, meme, meme culture is another great example of uh, of this shortness of time preference because it, it uh, people aren't looking for long articles anymore unless you can get them to that, right? Um, it, and memes are a good way to get them to that. And with enough bullying, you can get someone to read a book. I mean, I've gotten my friends to all read Democracy, by simply pestering them to death to do it. They, you know, some of them haven't read a book since high school. So, you know, th these are the kinds of things that we need to do. Bert says in the ch chat to talk about how atheism is high time preference. Oh man, I'm going to trigger a lot of people if I talk yeah, about that. Yeah, that's going to be a rough one, but go ahead, buddy. All right. So, um, you know, if you think about it, what, what do you, uh, what does religion provide? It provides you, the ability to put off committing sin uh, and hedonism and things like this for a later payoff, the ultimate payoff of living in the afterlife, right? Whereas atheism says, screw all that, enjoy yourself right now. So it's the ultimate expression of a low and high time preference. True. And that will definitely piss some people off. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down. Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Yeah, I'm I'm religious. I I, I did the uh, I, I did the I'm agnostic thing for quite a few years. I was saying I was going through a weird phase, you know. Uh, and, well, really, then I found a pretty lady that was religious, and that changes everything. You know, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. fiance, she's great. I, I'm marrying her, you know. So you know, mm -hmm. it's uh, I'm, I got the, I got the good time preference there. But uh, so so let's talk about physical removal because this is something that sure. this is something that people constantly try to beat Hoppians over the head with. And and let's you know let's be honest, a lot of the people that that oppose Hoppians uh, have never read Hoppa. I mean, just never. just just to be honest. And there's a lot of Hoppians that haven't read Hoppa too. Okay, not all of them, but there's a few. Uh, they call themselves Hoppians on online for the for the clout, sure. right? Yeah. Not not real Hoppians, but okay. So so let's talk about physical removal. That's something that's constantly used to to beat people over the head with, right? This oh, you want to physically remove people from society? What what is physical removal? Uh, you know, as you've read it. So, uh, it, like, look, if you're going to create your own community and that community has rules, right? Say you have a covenant community. Let's talk about Ancapistan, period, right? Can you really take 
these people that are constantly trying to subvert you and establish democracy. Is that reasonable that those people would live in your community if they're constantly trying to rob you or do something like that? No. And the establishment of democracy is a form of robbery. It's a, it's a form of degeneration of everything. So to say, hey, you need to leave or we're going to socially ostracize you. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to buy from our stores and things like this. And then finally, if you use violence or flat out refuse to, to leave, we're going to take you and make you leave. And uh, it's not to say that we're going to immediately, you know, jump right to the most horrible things that you can imagine, which I'm sure some of these online people are saying all the time, you know, like, oh, we're going to snatch up a bunch of people and throw them out of helicopters because we disagree with them immediately. Right. That's not what that is. What it is is to say, you know, you're violating the rules of our community and we're asking you to leave. If you don't leave, then we're going to take more drastic actions and we're going to use reasonable uh, escalation to, to get what we need uh, because you've agreed to the rules of, of our community. And if your focus is to establish a, uh, a libertarian social order within a, within a covenant community, Democrats and, and communists, and when I mean what I say, when I say Democrat, I mean people who push democracy, not political Democrats, even though they're often the same, uh, and communists, they, they, they can't be sitting there, you know, trying to teach your kids communism and, and push these things onto you. And people will immediately object and say, well, what about the marketplace of ideas, right? Like, this is a common thing. The marketplace of ideas does not exist. The state uses propaganda. The best ideas don't always win. Look at the Soviet Union. Look at Nazi Germany. Look at Pol Pot. Look at North, you know, North Korea. Like, the best ideas don't win. That's not the way. It's not a market. It's not the way things work. So at the end of the day, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're going to violate the rules of my community, get removed. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the helicopter thing's a funny meme, dude. You know what I mean? Like right. it is. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, I, th and enjoys it. I mean, he thinks it's hilarious. I mean, wouldn't if, if you've got a sense of humor, you would laugh at that, right? Yeah. Your, your, uh, your signal has got real rough, dude. I don't know what's going on. I, you're like, Can you hear me now? Let's let's see. We'll, we'll 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 see. So yeah, I had Kinsella on the show, and he was actually with him when uh, he took the picture with the helicopter, Hoppa, and uh, and we we had a good laugh about that because back back then I was like, did he really did he really do that? He did that. That was great. Uh, you know, and then I got a bunch of shit for it. Um, let's see. Uh, Bubblegum Gun, thanks for the two dollars super chat. He says, democracy are the roots of communism. Absolutely. Can you hear me now? No, you're still you're you're digitally cutting out, man. I don't know what's going on there. Let's see. It's it's not my it's not my connection. I got the best internet Iowa has to offer. No, you're cutting in and you're cutting in and out real bad. I wonder why. Let me let me I wonder if I can uh let me see if I can throw you in and in and back out and maybe that'll change it. Give me one second. Oh, it's the big screen for me now. How am I? Is my is my connection still doing good? Let me know in the chat just uh if it's still doing good. All right, Jared, you back? Can you hear me? Yeah, much better. Okay, cool. So yeah, democracy is the root of communism. It absolutely is. Um when you look at communism itself, what is the the goal of communism? The goal of communism is to create sameness, the uniculture, the oneness, right? And what does democracy do? It gives you that illusion as well. 
it's telling you that your voice and your vote and the distribution of other people's wealth ultimately is fine as long as you've got a say, right? And this is the same thing as communism, and it will lead eventually to communism. And I think that that is what you're going to see in the United States. It's what you're going to see in a lot of liberal democracies across the world is they're eventually all going to de- degenerate into communism and socialism. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, man. And I think we've seen that over and over and over again in any country that's had democracy, really. Um, you know, even if they call it something different, you know, this democratic socialism or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Oh, that's just that. That's just a fancy way to dress it up. I mean, democratic socialism, that sounds repetitive to me. Oh, I always love it when they're like, well, look at the healthcare they have. And I'm like, yeah, they don't even have the population the size of Texas. Of course they can sustain something like that. Absolutely. Like they've got a high trust society. They're all of their, a lot, a lot of their costs are supplemented mostly by oil. Like look at Norway, like they get a lot of their, their revenue from, from oil production, state oil production and things like that. Of course they can offset it. They don't have more population than they do revenue like we do. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's saying the globalists were trying to take you down, bud. That's what's going on. Of course. They're, they're always after me. That's what it is. Hey, did you see, <laughs> did you see, uh, earlier in the, uh, when I posted the, the, the thumbnail for the show, uh, shocker con was like, what the hell is that flag? <laughs> uh, my buddy Chris Nance is in the in the chat. He says you're using the Dixitarian flag. He likes it. He's a big fan of it. He's yep. from, he's from oh, North yeah. Carolina. So there you go, right here, Bonnie Blue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, so uh, I I just want to I want to talk about something funny because you uh, when when I posted the link and all that shit for the show tonight, there was so many people that like posted screenshots of being blocked by you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? It was like oh, yeah. it was like when we all blocked Archie except you and, and blocking everybody else and I was like, what's what's that all about, man? So, uh I had an account on Twitter for a very long time and I had about 11,000 followers. Uh argued with uh Lulberts constantly and they eventually took me out. And then I I restarted had another account and they took that one out too. So now I've taken the approach of, well, I'm not really here to debate the left. I'm not here to debate uh, anybody that's on the left. So why do I need to talk to you? The only thing you're going to do is, you know, basically shitpost me and then report all of my tweets. And it's happened repeatedly. I just got in an argument the other day with someone and people that were defending me in the chat, they got reported. So I blocked all the people that were in there. Why, why would I expose myself to these people that all, the only thing they want to do is make, you know, terrible comments and then try and get me digitally removed. I'm just going to remove you from my, from my timeline first. Sure. I've got, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, when Twitter had block lists, I had a, I subscribed to one of those to block a bunch of left wingers. And, uh, that the thing put me at 75,000 or something like that blocked accounts. Jesus. Yeah. So like there was that. And then ever since then, anytime anything like that happens, I just start blocking people like me getting this message out to the people that is, uh, that have, uh, a penchant or a, um, I guess I would say that are sympathetic to the message is much more important than trying to convince people that can never be convinced. Right. So why even discuss things with them? I'm not here to convince them. Sure. Absolutely. Marsh Ford. Thanks for the $2 super chat, man. He said, uh, didn't Hoppe say everyone should read Lennon. I, I haven't, I hadn't heard him say that, but I, I also agree that everyone should read Lennon. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that he said that. I, I, if he has, I don't remember him saying it may have said it in a lecture, but you absolutely should read Lennon. 
Uh, Lenin was a brilliant strategist, and you should read Trotsky too. Yep. And you should study the history around Trotsky and how he uh, basically his ideology is now the democratic ideology all around the world. Yeah. So the imperialism of Trotsky is everything. It's it's all around us. He really won. He just, he's the one that beat Stalin in the end. Stalin may have killed him, but Trotsky won. Right. Well, and I I uh, I'm a big fan of reading the ops. Uh, philosophy all the time because if you don't know how to argue it you just sound stupid half the time anyways right. I, uh, I actually wrote a paper that's at think liberty if you guys go look up joshua smith think liberty why philosophy matters i wrote a whole paper on why it's important to read people like bakunin and marx and Engels and uh uh who else have i read fuck uh, so many of these uh, bookchin and and Kropotkin and i've read all the com all the commie bullshit mm-hmm. all of it all the mutualist stuff uh i've read it all because if i'm gonna argue against these ideas and you know in the marketplace of ideas then uh you have to have some firm understanding of what you're arguing against man not only that but i mean ostensibly and provably um uh, you can say that the left strategy at the very least has been the most effective strategy in history right um the right certainly isn't in control right now uh so why not study the people that are winning and figure out how they won uh that's why i say re trotsky all the time he was a, he's brilliant he was a, the the ultimate original subversionist right so definitely read those guys and not only that as well that there's things that we can gather in comparison from them uh m- maybe even what you consider a logical proof uh hoppe did this when comparing uh marxist ideology and figuring out that their identification of a lot of the issues uh, that we face today were largely correct. Um, it was just the fact that they their solutions and the identification of the people that were starting the problems or how the problems came to be were, were incorrect, right? You know, like Marxists say, well, it's class theory and then, you know, the evil rich people and blah, blah, blah. Uh, whereas Hoppe identifies correctly that the people that are starting and doing these things are state agents, right? Sure. And as a result, we need to focus on the state primarily and not uh, the kulaks, for lack of a better term. Right, right. How, how familiar are you with Yuri Bezmenov, dude? I, I've watched that video, uh, but that's about it. Man, you got everybody should. Everybody needs to go back and revisit Yuri Bezmenov, dude. He literally warned us of this shit in the seventies and eighties, and like, I mean, I'm telling you, he was like, "Look, they have already infiltrated your government. Everything, everything. They are already yeah. here. They are already working to subvert your your population, and they're doing it slowly. They're chipping away at you guys. And look where we're at now. Okay." We got McCarthy the, was right. We got doctors posting the gender elephant. Pediatric doctors posting the gender elephant. Okay, we're oh, we're man. they're here, dude. They've been here. They're in our government. They're in our schools. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I don't want to get a little too Alex Jonesy, but the motherfucker was right. He was yeah. right. They're yeah. everywhere. They're everywhere. Everywhere you look. Do you really think you can go into any uh, college today and ask someone what their opinion of communism is, and then be revolted at the question? If you really believe that, then, you know, I've got a bridge to sell you, right? Right. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's insane, dude. Our educators, I mean, it's just, it's, it, and it started with, with one or two people, you know, uh, McCarthy, McCarthy was right. McCarthy <laughs> was right. Besmanoff was right. I mean, these people were right. They, and, and, you know, it's funny because when I was running for chair the first time in 20, 2018, I ran for chair of the national party. I didn't have any support. I'm a fucking maintenance man from the West Coast. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't have, I didn't oh, have yeah, a ton of support. Blue collar, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm blue collar. I'm a blue collar working class guy. I went up against a, a, a guy who used to be a public 
pretender and and trial lawyer. He owned a car dealership. He's a total subversionist. Oh, I mean, this guy wild, right? Um, mm-hmm. Oh shit! I got a little a little leak coming from my my air vent there. Watch oh, the laptop. No. Watch the laptop. Here, I'm gonna put a bowl <laughs> on it. Uh, and so, um, you know, I I didn't really have a lot of support and. Uh, and uh, I came out swinging, man. I was like, look, there's communists in this fucking party. You know what I mean? There's there's these libertarian socialist people. I had a guy that literally was wearing a Marx shirt debating me on the national convention stage. And I'm going, are you fucking kidding me? This is the libertarian mean, party, right? right? Um, and Dude, then it, it was like the guy, like, I, like, if you can't see that there were subversionists inside the libertarian party, you are a fool or you are helping them. Right. You are a fool or you're helping them. Because when uh, what what was his name uh, uh, James Weeks or whatever that uh, stood up during the first time that re- we really had some good national coverage in the LP and the guy gets up on stage fat ass gets up on stage and strips fucking nude like are you kidding me he's skinny like, he's he skinny now by the way yeah well, he is yeah he fucking lost all, all of his weight <laughs> that's good but yeah. like th- that was obviously obviously yeah. everybody knows what he was doing right everybody knows what he was doing. And if you don't, you're a fool. So right. what you know? What more can be said? That was uh, around the same time I decided I was going to run for chair, man. Uh, and Good. and it was, it was more about my hate for Nicholas Sarwark uh, than anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I it was funny because I, I've told the story a million times on the show. I don't know what I'm doing it again, but um, I called all the big name libertarians I knew at the time. I was helping uh, this publication called Think Liberty at the time, and uh, I was working in my state party. I was like, I was bored. I wasn't going to work for the Republicans or Democrats, and um. I I called all these big name libertarians. They're like, you're fucking crazy, dude. He's been the two two term. He's going for his third term. He's the most popular chair the party's ever had. I was like, all right, well, if no one else is gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. You know what I mean? And uh, yep. I never thought I never thought I'd do anything, but I ended up on the board. This is my second time, and uh, I carried that Mises Caucus target on my back around the 40 states over the last four years, and we got shit done, man. So hopefully oh, it keeps yeah. happening, and we can we can make that something that at least people can be proud to know exists. Not that they have to be proud to join it, but maybe proud to know that it like okay, there's a libertarian party in this country that actually is like you know talking about private property and you know what I mean, like yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, trust me, I get the argument. I just at the end of the day, look like this is and again, you know this we're on we're on opposite sides. oh sure sure right? yeah. Uh, yeah 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 so like you know no, no a little to you like i said congratulations you guys have done some fantastic work but at the end of the day i think that you know if the lp is going to be this is just my opinion but if the lp is going to be around i think the lp should either try to play kingmaker or it needs to get out of the way true and I, I, and if it if it can't play kingmaker and doesn't know how it doesn't try and focus on the local level and really make some changes if it doesn't say you know go go to republicans or democrats either too and say look you know this this or this and we'll you know give you a uh, endorsement or we'll uh, give you or we'll pull out of the race and start playing some hardcore politics if it's not willing to do that then it needs to fold and the people that are doing damn good work like you really need to start their own pack sure. and start trying to influence the GOP. Well, and that's a good that's thing about, opinion. that's a good thing about the Mises too. It's a pack. I mean, it's a big, it's a giant hybrid pack. So they're mm-hmm. a super pack and a regular pack. So they do, I mean, they do other work too, besides just trying to take over the party, but mm-hmm. taking over the party was always a big step because they're so right. fucking embarrassing. Oh my <laughs> you know God. I mean, it's, 
it does it really that's why i hate it it does more harm than good or it has done more harm than good yeah um at least to me because it, like if, if you're looking at the party and you see all this garbage going on you know like the woman talking about dobby on uh oh god uh, dobby oh, yeah, the house I elf i would oh, like oh, to i would oh, like oh, to god. adopt dobby the house elf as our our national mask get the fuck out get out <laughs> get out yeah like get physically removed lady yeah. you yeah. know <laughs> i couldn't so, believe that shit I, yeah yeah like that kind of stuff and, and the you know the dancing fat ass stuff and, and, and stuff like that like it you're literally hurting the most beautiful philosophy and beautiful ideas to ever exist and the most beautiful explanations for why humanity rose out of darkness and you're gonna sit there and do that right. like i hold you in higher contempt than i do the left at this moment you know what i mean like that that's that because you're intentionally hurting us yeah you're fucking like up that, the libertarian moment yeah, i mean yeah legit. yeah like yeah like get get out of my face, get out of here, you know. Yeah, uh, Dwight Spelvin, thanks for the uh, f- well, five Canadian dollars, whatever the fuck that is. Uh, I don't know how much that's worth. It's probably worth oh, more. No. Probably worth more day, than five American dollars at this point. I mean, day, day of the rake, man. Yeah. Day of the rake. Uh, Hoppa, he said, Hoppy, Hoppa stuttered. Uh, uh, Hoppy, Hoppa, Jesus, Hoppa studied <laughs> under Habermas, and it helped him develop argumentation ethics is that true absolutely yes okay. absolutely uh habermas if you don't know who habermas is he's a very famous uh philosopher and uh he is leftist i uh, was Hoppe's phd professor and uh habermas developed this thing called discourse ethics um Hoppe used that as a foundation to create argumentation ethics um from that you know, the, the, the idea that you can uh, draw ethics from argumentation and discourse is something that predated Hoppe, but Hoppe did it in such a way as to prove, you know, prove self-ownership and, and, and prove that, uh, to me, it's a logical proof of self, self-ownership itself, right? Sure. So, um, you know, it, this is what we do, right? Like, this is in general, I, I highly doubt that that was a criticism. Uh, I know Dwight, he's a good guy. But I think that uh, this is what philosophers do, right? Like we we pull off of and we build off of what people have done in the past, and not, and Hoppe's no different. Sure, I, it's funny. I actually had a conversation with Nick Sarwark at the uh, I think it was the last national convention. We were at like an after party up in a suite somewhere drinking. Could have been the California State Convention. I don't remember. Uh, but he was he was drunk. He gets drunk all the time. That guy drinks way more than anybody should. And. Uh, uh, he got into it with me about Hoppe, you know, and I was just still kind of re- really reading Hoppe, but he's like, he's like, everything he said is bullshit. And he, he you know, he, he's not a good writer and it's not even interesting oh to read and all this shit. I was like, I was like, dude, I mean, can't you just like, I, I, the one thing I brought up, I was like, can't you even like just take in argumentation ethics? I mean, this is like a really simple principle for you to understand. Right. And it's pretty, it's pretty concrete. I mean, it's hard to yeah. argue. You know it's, what I mean? it's not it's not even just concrete i mean it literally evolved philosophy yeah. itself yeah it evolved philosophy itself like that that's it's the largest in my opinion it's one of the largest contributions any libertarian has ever made to philosophy in general it totally subverted hume's uh uh the the uh is ought gap hume's guillotine like like no, people have been trying to do that for hundreds of years. Right. Like he did it. Like, do you people not understand how significant that is? Like, in my opinion, the guy should should have been uh, you know interviewed for every philosophy magazine that ever existed for doing that. Like, oh, oh it, no, they it, couldn't do that. He's not left enough, yeah, buddy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. Level zero, man. Thanks a lot for the uh, for the five dollar super chat. He said proudly not physically removed from Jared's timeline. 
<laughs> well, hopefully you stick around, buddy. We'd have to physically remove Nicholas Harwark, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Un- yeah undoubtedly. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Let's talk about crushing the anti-fascist mob, dude. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Hell, yeah. So <laughs> so it's been a crazy year for, for the Antifa's. Okay, and the and the Black Lives Matter movement and all this stuff, yep. you know, we we spent a, over a year watching them burn and loot uh, uh, private businesses, private property, um, and uh, a lot of libertarians were cheering cheering it on, you know, saying, "Well, they, you know, they got." It, it always came down to this stupid fucking argument. Well, they got insurance, you know. Okay, you, so we're raising their insurance premiums unneeded. Yeah, you know you, what I mean? Like, you got you got health insurance. Can I break your leg? Yeah, no shit. Is it cool? Is it all right? And uh, yeah. you know. It, it came to you know. I used to be one of these people. Like uh, you know, obviously I'm I'm a supporter of peaceful protests. I think there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I don't give a shit what cause you're fighting for, uh, as long as it's peaceful and you're not hurting you know uh, uh, autonomous people and private property and all the shit. But um, it, it went way past that, dude. And so I mean. You know what? What is uh, crush? You know that sounds really jarring. We got to crush the anti-fascist mob. But um, what do you what do you think? Uh, what do you think we should have done with with the, the looters, man? Uh, honest to God, I, I I really do believe in what Hoppe said. I think that these that the guys that were out there, um, especially the business owners and anybody else that was trying to protect those businesses, should have beaten their asses. Um, that that's what has to happen. There has to be pushback against this. If the cops aren't willing to do their jobs, then it, it's not, it, it is not a required responsibility. Um, but it is definitely something that we can exercise and do, right? We can stop these people from violating private property rights. We can stop these people from trying to, trying to harm people and, and, and burn businesses and, and loot places, Absolutely. Like uh, only in democratic America would you be seen as a terrible person for trying to to stop these people. Um, uh, And what, on what planet is it, is it okay to just stand by and, and be the, have the bystander effect and watch this stuff happen. Like these people, do these people think it's funny? Do you just want to watch why people's lives are ruined or, or your communities are destroyed? It's absolutely insane. Yeah, absolutely. Stop these people. And if that, if that includes and up to being as abrasive, abrasive as saying crush the anti-fascist mob. Yep. Uh, shout out to my homies, the rooftop Koreans. I'm a big fan of your work. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Man, did you, watch, you watched all those videos, right? The LA riots oh, and all I, that. I lived in California when they were happening, dude. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, dude, yeah, here's, yeah. The, here's the crazy shit, bro. So, like, when I, when I was when I was, young, I was young, I mean, I was probably six, six maybe seven, when it, when the, uh, the LA riots happened. Because it was, like, what, 1988, 89? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I had to be, I had to be six or six or seven. Um, we lived in the projects, dude. Like the, it, it, but like right outside of Oakland, right? And and uh, they were fucking riding in Northern California too. It wasn't yeah. just in oh, LA. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, we were probably one of maybe three white families in the entire projects. I mean, it, oh. it was bad. And it was just my my single mother and me and my baby sister who was probably like one at the time. And my mom's losing her shit. She's like, "Whoa, fuck! What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do?" You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next door neighbor was like this big crip gang leader and he like comes over and he's pounding on the door and my mom's like oh should we open it you know she opens the door his name was like june june or something and he like he's like he's like i just want want 
y'all to know that you're all you're all right with us. We're, we got your back, you know. And my mom's like, thank God, you know, because we we've been <laughs> fucked. And yeah, uh, so, yeah. but uh, it's a pretty funny story. My, I don't know if my mom's in the chat. She likes she's in every single chat for almost every show. Shout but, out to Josh's mom. Yeah, she's awesome. If she's not in the chat, she'll watch it tomorrow. She always she watched every show. I'm the most supportive mother ever. We, we really came from fucking nothing. You know what I mean? So, hey man, she's always hey, hey right right here too. I mean, like it, you know, now I do very well. I, I've got a very nice job and I do very well. But you know, I, I grew up in the foothills of Appalachia. Oh, like, shit. Straight yeah. up. Yeah. Like, like I like we were not wealthy people. Um and, and I have respect for people that grow up like that because it makes you appreciate things so much. Yeah. Yeah, it really does, like, man. It, it, every 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 beautiful blessing that I have, I you know, I thank God for. So especially uh, that I, private property, bro. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like when you get a little bit of property, you're like, come Come and take it, motherfucker. I dare you. Yeah, I dare exactly. you. You know what I had to do right. to get this shit? Yeah, exactly. The struggle. The yeah. struggle and struggle. That's that's really why we do this, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, we, we want people to, to have what's theirs. We don't want people to be robbed. We want people to be able to live peaceful lives without being threatened all the time. That's what this is all about. Like, like what's the, the point of philosophy it is to just... You know, to describe the world around us, but the point of ideology itself is to make sure that we all live peaceful and good lives, right? Like that should be the, really the goal, unless you're like, you know, a psychopath. Sure. So, sure. It, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's what we're all here for, and sometimes we need to remember that. Yep, I agree. And yeah, shout out to everyone in the chat, man, that watched the show that didn't go over to Tim Cast in real life and watch Dave Smith and Michael Heiss. I appreciate y'all. <laughs> Dave Smith's been big time in me, man. He's supposed to he was supposed to come back on my show in August, and he's just he's just ignoring me. And then I tried to get him on for the the hundredth episode coming up in a couple of weeks with uh, Maj Ture and Phil from uh, All That Remains and maybe Eric July. Awesome. And uh, we're gonna do like a culture war episode, and and he's big time in me, Dave. If you watch this, because I know you watch every show, man. I know you do. Uh, I'm trying to get you for, for the hundredth episode, man. Shout out to Dave, though, for real. Like, um, you know, I, me and Dave obviously have disagreements, I'm sure, but like, uh, he's done a lot to bring the message out to people, and I appreciate him for that. Dude is still steadfast, him, dude. He really is. Uh, I still want him to debate me on some topics, but maybe <laughs> we can make that happen someday. Hey, as but, long uh, as you're not a fucking pissant like that, uh, like never. that 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 Vin Diesel dude, whatever his name is, you're uh, you're gonna go. Oh, 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 oh uh, the, uh, Cyprian, yeah, now the, or something. The midget, the midget prostitute guy. <laughs> You know, oh you know what I'm talking God. about, dude. Yeah. That guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, we, me, and him got into an argument on Twitter about uh, about uh, his uh, about his path, his time preference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that fucking guy, what a dude. Example, right? I can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't with that guy, man. Well, hey, we're coming to the end of the the public stream. Uh, for you guys who don't know, I do a members only after hour stream with every guest. If you join the uh, the YouTube channel here, it's like six bucks a month. Uh, you get into all of those live, um, and I always ask your questions, not just super chats in there. Um, and you also get like the, all the cool, uh, you know, hand drawn graphics uh, for the chat that Top Lobster drew. But hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, what do you got coming up next, Jared? What's, what's going on for you and, and Hoppian.org, man? So, uh, well, hey, uh, just to put it out there, if you're a React dev with uh, experience in DevOps, uh, we could really use a volunteer right now. Please reach out to the main account. We could really use some help getting some things going. Shout out to uh, Neocon Remover. He did our physical removal T-shirt design. Great it's guy. I've known Bert forever. He, he's a really, really genuinely beautiful human being, and I love him very much. Um, 
shout out to Mac from Mac and Liberty. She runs our social media accounts. She does a fantastic job. I couldn't have asked for a better, for a better helper uh, for our social media. She does a fantastic job. Shout out to Taylor. He's our business development guy. A lot of you guys met him at YAL. Uh, shout out to Colton Maxwell Anderson. He's one of our primary editors. He does such a fantastic job in keeping me on my toes and making sure I'm doing what I need to do. Uh, shout out to our, uh, core developer, uh, who has done some fantastic work up to this point, getting all of our stuff going. Thank you so much. Um, please check out hopping.org. Uh, please, uh, definitely, uh, check out PFS. PFS is so important guys. Please check out PFS and support PFS. Um, and then follow us on Twitter and social media, uh, at the Hopian, And you can find me at my at, uh, if you can see it right there in democracy and definitely subscribe and like, uh, Josh is a fantastic human being as well. And I appreciate him so much for having me on. Dude, I really appreciate you, man. And, and before you go, I also want to give a, uh, uh, a shout out to Mac and Jack. Uh, we got into it. I think it was last year too, around that same time with the Hoppa thing and, and emo, the emo Hoppian kid, uh, and all that shit went down and, and we got into it, but she's really cool, man. And, uh, so I'm sorry that we got into it and, and emo wherever you're at, man, come find me. Let's talk. Uh, dude, I seriously appreciate Jared coming on. Uh, I, I'm a big fan, man. And, uh, if you can just hold on a couple minutes, I'll get that, uh, members only stream started. Absolutely, brother. All right, bro. All right, another awesome episode of Break the Cycle. Uh, Jared's super cool, man. Go follow him. Go follow Hopping.org. Read all Hop shit. It's amazing. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm just getting back into it. And, uh, re- you know, I got through democracy. It was great. I, it's stone cold, bulletproof, hard to argue. Uh, I, I have to believe that most of the people who are constantly uh, criticizing Hoppa have never read it. Read Hoppa. Um, so, anyways, uh, guys, go check out our sponsors, toplofsa.com, for all your wonderful graphic design needs. My brother, my partner on the show, where you get this great uh, Ron Paul it didn't have to be this way hoodie that I'm wearing today on Ron Paul's birthday I should, probably should have wore the physical removal shirt because I do have that shirt uh, but it was it was dirty I think my, my fiance uh, didn't clean it if she's in the chat I love you babe uh, also anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs check them out today see what they can do for your business home or personal life they're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently uh, guys coming up on the show next week uh, let me let me go. I, I know we got some cool shows coming up. I know Andrew Heaton's coming on uh, from Reason, but he's a funny comedian. So don't don't. Every, I know everybody tonight's probably not the biggest Reason fa- uh, fans, but I promise you, he's funny. Uh, coming up next week. Oh yeah, Andrew Heaton. Pete Quinones returns to the show on uh, on Tuesday. That's going to be great. Stephen Daniel will be on Wednesday uh, talking about his book on the Second Amendment. Uh, Charlie Robinson on Thursday and Friday. There is going to be a special show that I'm not going to talk about now. Uh, definitely check it out. Definitely subscribe. Definitely become a member of this channel so you can check out all the members-only streams. Uh, guys, enjoy your weekend. I appreciate you coming out. I will see you Monday for the show with Andrew Heaton. But till, until then, don't forget to break the cycle. To explain the lyrics of my last song, they seem to contain a violent call to action in the person of the frame. But I just landed in Minecraft. The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do. So when any violence you commit, I am not an excuse because I just landed in Minecraft.